I want us to just quickly bow our heads as we just say a quick prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for another opportunity to gather even before you. We thank you for your word because it is true and it is life. We pray that even as we listen, that you will give us a heart to understand, O oh God. And at the end of this, we will experience all that you have sent this word for in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you are excited for Takeover Sunday? That is not even it. How many of you are excited for Takeover Sunday? Now nah, that's more like it. That's more like, why do I say why are you excited? It's not saying that we're not excited on every other Sunday, because we are. Truly, we are. But on Takeover Sunday, it's just an opportunity for us to really get to be able to, you know, dive into something at a level where, you know, people of our age, our level, we can give it to them the way it is, you know? And that's what we encourage ourselves to do. That's why we do RG Fridays. So if your child is not coming to RG Friday, they should be coming because that's what we do. We take the same word of God because there's no two truths, it's only one. We just take that same one and we put it down at the level where I can understand, where your daughter can understand, where that way when they go to school, they'll be like Ugo, who tells the other people, we don't do that, we follow the Bible straight up, don't do it. But anyways, the first thing we do every time we come to teach at Rising Generation is to take this confession. So say with me, this is the word of God. It is God speaking to me. My ears are attentive. My heart is receptive. As I am taught the word, the seed of life will be planted. It will surely grow deep roots, and it will produce its fruit in me. Today we're going to be talking about a topic titled Sons or Slaves. See, we've been singing all through today, children of God, sons of God, child of Zion, all of those things. And it's important because that's the truth. But after today, we'll see and kind of understand that sometimes it's not only that we're not sons, but the true experience that we have is that of slaves. And that's not the way God designed it to be. We're gonna be using the parable of the prodigal son, kind of like our anchor scripture. And I have uh, my sister who's gonna be helping me to read today, just so we have a little bit of engagement with the audience. Um, the anchor text for today is Luke chapter 15, from verse 11 to 32. Luke chapter 15, from verse 11 to 32. I'm not going to ask us to read it, but I want you, because of the length of it, I want you on your own to really just read it. But as we go through the sermon, we'll be taking it bit by bit in different places. But from now, let's read from verse 11, right? Let's read from verse 11 to verse 24. Luke 15, 11 to 24. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his two sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. 
He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am, dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. Amen. Amen. This son of mine was dead, right? But now he was lost, but now he's found. We studied during RG Friday the first part of this. Sons are slaves. And try to understand that as sons, there's a few things that we have to understand. If not, we will continue living as slaves, despite the fact that Jesus has saved us. Right? So if we read, as Olifet just read for us, we saw the parable of this younger son, who the Bible describes as a son, not a slave, he was a son. Right? But something happened. He took the inheritance that he had in his family and took it out of the family. So we learned last RG Friday that one of the first things that you must understand to really call yourself a child of God, to really live the life of a son versus a slave, is to ensure that you are positioned continually in the presence of God. Ensure that you're continually positioned in the presence of God. Why? Because in the presence of God, everything is available, right? See, he took his inheritance and he went out. The Bible says that when he had wasted it all, because in the presence of the Father, you are constantly renewed and replenished, but when you go outside, you must fend for yourself. It's not, it might be tough, but that's the way God is. You can't, two plus two will always be four. If you take one out of it, it will never give you four. If you take even the smallest point zero one out of that equation, it's, it's not four. I get you, you can round up, but it's not four. And we must understand that if you take your inheritance as a son, Jesus, you've died for me, you've saved me, and then you go and join yourself back to a kingdom that is not yours, you will fend for yourself there, spiritually, physically, emotionally, everically, until you come back to your senses. Right? He came back to his senses. Same thing, came back to his senses. The Bible says there that while he was there, right, as his money ran out, there came a great farming. When you're not in the presence of God, things will always go from bad to worse. There's no hope. There's no hope. And that is a good sign for you to always look at your life with. If you're not seeing hope, please check. 
Not only did his resource run out, a farming started, right? Not only that, he now joined himself to somebody from that place because now he's fending for himself. And he began to work. Where he had never worked a day in his life, he began to work. How many of us are truly living the lives of some? How many of us are actually working? You know for yourself, like, if I examine my life, truly I'm working, I'm toiling. Like, this Christian life, well, you people, you are just standing here. Well, very, I just always shouting, shouting, shouting. She's coming here, just singing, singing, singing. Every day, singing, singing, singing. But when I go home, I'm struggling. I'm tired. I'm tired. And if that's the reality, Today is for you. Because freedom is in the word. Right? Freedom is in the word. What brought him back? He came to his senses. He said he thought about it. He thought about where he was from. Right? So that, the first thing, like we said on Friday, your position, where you are, taking your inheritance as a son, remain. Remain within the presence of God. Don't go out. Don't go out. Right? Even when he came back to his senses, he started to walk. He started to go back to the father, right? And then along the way, the father saw him from afar off. You get something in that picture. Imagine a father standing. That father could have gone out there. He could have. He could have. But by principle, God will not do the things that he was not meant to do. So he will wait, and he will wait his loving mercy, his grace, he will wait till we repent and till we return. And then in his loving kindness, before you can even say, Lord, I'm sorry, he wraps it up. And that's the beauty of sonship, right? So that was what we discussed last Friday. Sons are slaves living in the fullness means that you must stay in the presence of God. But now we're going to discuss the life of the second son. Because, see, we read the parable of the prodigal son and we think of just the first son, but there were two, right? So we're going to discuss the life of the second son today. And in Sons of Slaves, today we're discussing the rules of engagement, right? The rules of engagement. I'm going to use my dear boy as an example today. I don't know where he is, Ademi, he's Ademi's little brother, amazing boy. Last week, during service, as teaching was going on, he wanted to use my phone. And I was like, let's, let's listen to the word of God, all right? And he was like, no, where's your phone? And I was like, I didn't mean, <laughs> word of God. He was like, no. And then I was like, okay, let's do this. How about the moment service ends, I will give you my phone and you can play any game you want. And something amazing happened. He looked at me. And he listened. He didn't ask me for my phone from then on. And after the service, here I am, Ademi. He left me, or he left me actually, because he didn't want to do what I was doing. He left me. And then eventually, after the service, I just saw one small boy running. And then he got to me, he just looked at me. And I was like, aha. And my wife was there. She was like, what's going on? I was like, I told him that the moment service was over, I was going to give him my phone to play the game. She said, so we are going to sit down here. We are not going to go home. We are going to give him this game to play. I, and, I, and I don't know. I said something to her. I said, look, I've already told him. This is what I said. I have to. 
I have to, right? We had different malfunctions. The first game, they wanted me to sign in and create an account. I was like, I'm not doing this. I made sure I found a game that he could play. Everything from that point on was on me because he did his part. And that's the same thing. That's the best place to be with God is to ensure that you stay in the word to understand him, to understand his ways, to know of him, where your life is now completely in his hands and everything is always up to him. Because Ademi did not need to do anything. I went to the Apple store. I made sure I downloaded a game that I thought he would like. I'm the one doing everything now. I am protecting my integrity now. He's just positioned. He's not doing anything anymore. He's just waiting on you said it. You said it. You said it. Uncle, I know, I know you said it. And tomorrow, he knows that if I tell him another one, I will do it, right? But why do we think God is any different? Come to know him. Right? Second Timothy chapter 2 from verse 3 to 7 tells us something. It says, Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Think about what I'm saying. The Lord will help you understand these things. Right? It says you cannot win the prize unless you follow the rules. That's a kingdom principle right there. You can't win unless you follow the rules. And don't think of it as law. Think of it as instructions in, in godly living. If the word rules is too tough, right? The truth is that nothing in the kingdom of God is supposed to be taken lightly, especially our salvation. We saw in the life of the younger son, where we left the scripture was when they were, they began a party, right? Salvation is is the best thing, is the, is the, is the one thing, is like the, the, the most amazing thing, right? The moment we started this year, it was like a resurgence in my spirit. It, it was like, oh my God. It felt like I had been focusing on other things, but all of a sudden, the knowledge of the salvation, the knowledge of our redemption brings about a new kind of joy, brings about the joy of sonship. Right? If, you don't, if you don't live with that understanding right, that you have been saved, you have been redeemed, and you are a son, right, you will constantly live in some form of slavery. In some, in some form, one way or the other, you will live in it. Right? The, for the younger son, his own form was that he didn't recognize the totality of his sonship. He didn't understand the full thing. He, he understood that he's a son, so he went for his inheritance, and then he took it out. But let's look at the life of the younger son, um, the older son, right? Olufek, can we go from verse 25 now? Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and you never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. 
Yet when this son of yours comes back from squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Take note of that last verse, right? He said, we had to celebrate this day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. That's the biggest thing in heaven, right? If, one, if you remember how we started the scripture, it says in verse 11, it says to illustrate this point further, right? If you go back and read verse five, he was talking about there's great joy in heaven when one sinner is saved. And I asked, I said, God, how come... In heaven, we are throwing parties when unbelievers are coming. But when we, we are we that we are being in the house, how come we don't have party? He said, when you come into the family, everything is provided instantly. So it's not so much that there's no joy in your own life, it's that heaven celebrates the fact that other people can come and enjoy that same life with you, right? But when we don't understand the rules of sonship, we will think that, there's, a, like God is supposed to reward us in some way, right? Because this is the bondage that the older son was in, right? He did not understand that the first rule in this new life of sonship is that you have to seek God first. Seek his own things first. Seek his own principles. You might think he's not seeking the father. He did say he was working, right? He said it, right? Does that not sound like somebody who is seeking the will of the Father, right? It doesn't sound like it, or does it? It sounds like it, right? The guy is a wealthy guy. Your son is taking care of your stuff. But let's look at what it looks like. In Matthew 6.33, it says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. What does that look like? So that we can understand what the, the, the older son was doing. If we look at Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42, Luke 10, 38 to 42. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sit here while I do all the work? Again, another two people. Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. Martha was interested in doing the works of being approved, right? But Mary discovered that there's only one person that gives approval, and it's Jesus, right? And she stayed there. The older son, he's the older son. He's been working all his life, yet not once did he get to the point of understanding the father to say, I am truly a son, so I have some sort of inheritance here. The older son never went to the father to ask for anything. It was only the younger son. Even though he was stupid and went out, he at least stayed with the father enough to find out that 
this my father owns a lot, and he's my father, so some of it must belong to me. The older son was trying to work so that the father will give him something that belongs to him. If you, if you keep working for something that's already provided to you, you'll never have it. You keep looking at it, and you keep looking at you, and you'll never possess it. But as sons, if you seek to stay, but it's Chris that said this something. He was giving an example one day. He said when he was young, like when he used to stay around his mom, right? So when she was in the kitchen, right? Even when she's cooking, the others, they won't get anything. But before he, they, everybody eats, he will at least get something. Staying in the presence of God. Remember the younger son. I told stay in the presence of God. Seeking him will, will let you know all the things that belong to you so that you can take advantage of them. It will. It will. The moment you start seeking God, right, as a son, the moment you start seeking God, what does that look like? Like Mary and Martha, you're not distracted by the, by the big things. You're not distracted by, oh, we should do this, we should do that. Oh, this is where you got to go. So it's not just about that. It's about finding the true source of life, Jesus. Seeking to find him. Seeking to find him. Because when you do, you will no longer be working. You will be living, right? Revelations 2, verse 2 to 5, it tells us something about most of us, right? It says, I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. This is fervent, right? But I have this complaint about you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. Right? These people are doing everything, but yet God has an accusation against them. They're not really seeking him anymore. They're not seeking him anymore. Right? And what happens when you stop seeking him? Right? He said he will come and remove the lampstand. In other words, the, the, the revelation you have, the knowledge that you even have will be taken away. And so even all the benefits that you used to know before, you won't even be able to take them anymore. Right? When we lose the things that have been freely given to us, it causes like a different kind of pain. Right? And Hebrews 12:15 tells us that we should really look after each other, right? Look after each other so none of you fall, fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. When we don't seek, when we don't seek to find the true life, right, we will start to gradually delve into slavery, Right? Slavery in your own mind, where literally you're, you believe you are working, you believe that you should be experiencing the goodness of God, but because of mindset, you're not doing it. It's not happening. And so there starts to fester a bitterness. Think of what was happening. The son came back, the younger son came back. They were about to throw a feast, and the older brother came back. The father lost a son. You, you lost a brother. 
can't imagine Ore comes back now. He's in Texas, that's why I can use him. If Ore comes back now, and he say, I know, come and carry me from the airport. Ah, yes, now. We go to the airport, carry him, Ore, blah, 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 I was Texas, me, my brother. But look at this ogre. His brother came back, he said he would not go in. He was angry, he would not go in. Because why? He looked at it. I am walking. You get it? I'm walking. But you're not. And this one is wasting it all. But he didn't understand that he was still a son. He was dead, yes, but now he's alive, which means he's a son again, which means instantly everything is given back to him. In salvation, we have everything. The younger son, he said, when he came back, he says, I'll go to my father, tell him I'm not worthy. When he got there, he told everything to the father. The father didn't even answer him. He just spoke to the servants. Give him this, give him that. Give him the finest robe in the house. In other words, give him my own robe. My own robe of righteousness, give it to him. Put a sandals for his feet so that he will walk in peace. And kill the fattest lamb so that we can celebrate his, his new life. He didn't even bother with all the things that the son was saying because it's not about working for it. It's about seeking to find it and living in it. Seek to find the true life in Christ and live in it. Right? Colossians 3 verse 1 tells us, it says, since we have been raised to what? A new life with Christ. Set your sights on realities of heaven where Christ sits in a place of honor at God's right hand. Right? In verse 16 to 17, it goes further. It says, let the message about Christ in all its riches fill your lives. This is what seeking looks like. The things that should excite us should be the things of heaven, should be the realities of the word of God. Those are the things that should give you ginger, like they say. It's the thing that should wake you up in the morning. It's the thing that should really, it, sh- it should be the thing that keeps you burning. Right? Let the message about Christ in all its richness, because it's rich. That's why it says seek. It's rich. You'll never find it today. It's, and it's not Sunday. It's definitely not Sunday that you'll find it. Sunday is the day we get top up, in a way. Like, it's the day we, we kind of... But seeking is to passionately, in your own time, make time, make time. God, I want to know you. I want to know your word. Teach me. Ask for the Holy Spirit. Let him give you revelation. Right? It says, teach and counsel each other with all wisdom he gives. Right? So not only seek, but apply these things. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. When we're doing all these things, you see that every root of bitterness will start to evaporate. Like, you see your brother who is saved, and you're, you're not angry because uh, he just got saved yesterday, and now God gave him a Mercedes. You have been praying since two years, and you still have Toyota Camry. No, look at me funny, because some of you are not like that. Some of us are not like that. Is that what we are saying? You, think, you see a believer, he, he born again yesterday. God gave him this. And then you start, you see something in you. Be honest and just say, God, something is there. I'm no longer experiencing you the way I should. Because if you are, 
you will just see the reality of what is happening, which is that this son was dead and now he's alive. So let's celebrate the goodness and the mercy of God. Come inside, right? Rule number two, come boldly, right? The first thing is seek. Two, come boldly, right? I told you when you seek, you will find out. The Holy Spirit will find out. He will, he will tell you what belongs to you, the riches of Christ, the fullness of it he will give to us. But we must come boldly. Come boldly, right? In Luke chapter 25, verse 30, we already heard this, right? The, the older son came back. He said something. He said, all these years I've slaved for you. All these years I've slaved for you. Remember when I said that he's been working his whole life, but he never actually took that step. Remember, the father never said he shouldn't work because there's work to do in the kingdom. God has a plan for your life. He has the things you're supposed to do in his kingdom. So there is work, right? There's work for you. There's work for me. But what God doesn't want for you to do is to just think that your life is about working. No, your life is about staying with him, right? And the older son, he said, all these years I've slaved for you. And he never took that step to ask the father for anything. Look at what he said. He says, all this while I've been working for you, you never gave me. Did he ask? Right? Did he ask? Maybe we don't know, but the father told us that he didn't ask. He said, because what, what was his response? He said, you've always been with me, and all that I have is yours. You've always been with me, all that I have is yours. I'm going to use my, my dear brother and sister here because they are holding each other very tight. So I like it. Ah, no, don't, don't remove your hand. Oh, oh, don't remove your hand now. Oh, oh, come on now. <laughs> See, as they are holding each other, she knows that as she's holding him, all that he has is hers. No, no, no. It's very simple. And it's not because she's working for it. Honestly, he just saw her one day and he just thought to himself, you know, you know. And then he decided to confer on her his own name. And the moment she was conferred, everything that belongs to him belongs to her. She could enter his house any day. Almost she asked you. She asked the key. And she didn't ask for the key. He gave her the key. Why are you working for something that God wants to give you? He says... Come boldly. She goes to the fridge. She buys groceries. She spends the money. He doesn't complain. But if I spend his money, I am not, we don't have that relationship. But you do. You're a son of God. Come boldly. Come boldly. The blessings came with Christ. So come boldly. Take what belongs to you. Right? And how do you come boldly? Just ask. Right? Just simply ask. John 16, 23 to 24 tells us something. It says, at that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth. You will ask the Father directly, and he will grant you your request because you use my name. 
You haven't done this before. Ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy, right? If you've not been asking God, right, in prayer, seeking him, like seeking him, finding the promise, and then taking the bold step of actually attributing this promise to yourself in prayer, God, this thing is for me, I believe it, your joy will not really be full. And that's slavery. Because you are seeing everybody else. You are seeing people around you. You are seeing them enjoying the fullness of God, but for some reason, you're not. Right? You, you can't hide it. You can't hide it. Right? So we must come. Come so that we will have joy. So that, we will all, so that we, there will not be strife amongst us. You actually pray and let God give you what he has promised you. You don't even realize that you are angry sometimes because you have, you have not received, you are not enjoying God. That's sometimes, that's why you're angry. You're just not enjoying the fullness of God. It's time as, as children of God to really enjoy him, to enjoy his fullness, to be able to participate of everything. And when I say ask, I'm not just saying asking for money. Think about how you receive the Holy Spirit, right? We accepted Jesus. The Holy Spirit came with Jesus as it's part of it. The moment you accept Jesus, the Holy Spirit is available. You know that, right? But the, the reality of it is that until you ask, he is not coming to you. And that's just the rule of the kingdom. God has provided, but he still needs us to come to him. Ask. Ask. The older son never went to the father. The younger son, the first thing, I can imagine, that boy must be a rascal. The first thing he found out, he was like, yeah, I'm a son. The second day, sir, uh, last night somebody told me that I'm 21 now, so I'm eligible for, for the inheritance. Where's my own? And the father did not turn him down. And that's the amazing part. The father did not turn him down. It was nothing. There was no trouble there till he left. You can have your inheritance in the presence of God right here. Enjoying it. Living it. Living it. Like Auntie Happy would say, your 24 karat gold. Living it. Living it. Living in good health, living in abundant life, living in, in, in a life of, of sound mind, no confusion, no stress, no anxiety. When the symptoms of sickness come your way, you know what you have in the name of Jesus. You use the authority you have. That's the life. Ah. See, when those things are not happening, you'll be frustrating because you are praying, but you are not engaging properly. You are not engaging properly. Right? Let's, let's go to the third part of this, which we'll use this last part to do. In Luke chapter 15, verse 31 to 32, right, we see the father saying, saying to the son, your son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours, right? When we were sharing this, Right between like the RG, my sister said something. She said, "Don't tiptoe around your inheritance because that's really what the first son was doing." And it, this would be a good point for each and every one of us to examine ourselves, because if you look at the statements of that older son, you will realize why he was really doing the things he was doing. He wasn't really seeking the Father in any way. He wasn't seeking anything that belonged. He was just after himself. 
The work he was doing was so that one day, eventually, the father will bless him. Eventually, he too was going to leave. Because he says, not once did you give me anything to, to feast with my friends. He too desires that same thing that the younger son would. He desires the same thing. He was just going a different route about it. You cannot dupe God. You can't manage your way into him, like into receiving his blessings, no. We can't fake our way into receiving his blessing. The only person that will be deceived at the end of the faking is me and you. Because we realize that if we had simply just engaged the right way, we would have received so much more. Right? We would have received so much more. Hebrews 4.16 tells us the amazing thing. He says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. In time of need, that's however it means to you. But you must come boldly. Come boldly. Come boldly. Why can you come boldly? You're already a son. You're already a son. Jesus has made sure of it so you can come boldly. And then this is the last rule, rule number three. Take dominion. Take dominion. Let me, let me, I can even rephrase it like this. Taking dominion, I could put it in a different word and saying, change the way you think. That one sounds more mild. That's why I didn't make it the, the main one. Take dominion sounds strong. So take dominion. But really, it's about changing the way you think, right? When the father said, all that I have is yours, instantly, those words were supposed to produce a shift in mindset, Right? Because the words of the Father are not just empty. If you read that scripture, the sons, they were talking, they were doing stuff, but every time the Father spoke, it brought restoration. Every time the Father spoke, it brought revelation. Every time the Father spoke, right, it brought confirmation. So he has sent his word to change the way we think so that we can be restored to a life where we take dominion through faith, right? Acts, let, let's, let's read Psalm chapter 23, verse 1, and then we'll quickly go to Acts chapter 3. Psalm 23, verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. All right, keep it there. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Now, Acts chapter 3, 6 to 8. But Peter said, this is the, uh, they, they were walking, Peter and John, going to the temple. It says, Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. That would sound contradictory to Psalm 23. Because you just said you have everything you need. Because truly, sometimes it's not money you need. The only thing we've ever been told that we need is the word of God. Because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every. Not by some. Every word that proceeded out of where? Yes, your money. It will sustain you. It will give you a good life. It will give you all of those things. But what you truly need is the word of God. Right? Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I 
but I'll give you what I have. I'll give you what I have. That's boldness. That's boldness. And that boldness does not start there when they asked him for money. These people, they sought God. We've seen the life of the apostles. They sought after these things so much so that we have a revelation of it given to us in, in physical form. And they knew. They knew what they had. They, had, they, had, they were bold about it, but they didn't stop there. Right? He says, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Right? Next verse. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. See, when we, have, when we seek, when we, when we come boldly, we must now take that step of faith. You must. You must take the step of faith. James rightly said it. He says, you say you have faith. Show me your faith. Show me your faith. Let's see it. Let's see this faith in action. It's not because we are trying to like, justify the faith. No, we are trying to exercise and, and, and institute the kingdom of God, the dominion of the kingdom of God on this earth. That's what we are here for. It's simply that to exercise our faith, uh, like you enter a job, You're, you are a low level, but then they made you a manager, and instantly things change. Things start to shift. The company's books are great. They will talk, and then eventually they can't but lead back to the grace of God, because when they ask you, you will say, it's God. Taking dominion, it's not just that we will now come here together so that all of us will be shining teeth to each other. Yes, I know. But taking dominion in every area of life, taking, taking that bold step of faith, not just reading the word. Yes, you've read the word. You've found it out. You've taken that bold step. Exercise it. Don't just, don't just, don't just learn it for learning's sake. What good is, what good is eating all the food if you're, if you're not going to exercise? You just, you won't look nice. Right? You, you, do you get that? Do you get that? What good is eating all the food if you don't exercise? It won't, it won't do what it's supposed to do. Yeah? The food comes in, it nourishes you, it does all that stuff. But if you lag, if you just, eventually that same food, you'll get on TLC eventually. You'll be my 600 pound life. My. No, eat the food. It digests the word, but go and exercise it so that you come out toned, looking chiseled, right? Nice, defined, right? That, that, you are walking. Like, we are supposed to be a fragrance to the world. See, the Bible tells us, it says, all creation is groaning, waiting for the sons of God. Right? There's, there's, a, there's a life that God has preserved for the sons of God. It's a, it's a fragrant life. And the world is searching for it. Yes. Don't stay in these binds of our church, please. Take dominion. Find out your area 
and let God show you how to institute his kingdom there. See, the other day, I was, I was just thinking about it. I, I usually think out loud sometimes. And I was thinking about it. I'm an architect. I, I enjoy it. But I imagine, like, having a firm that is just dedicated to just building churches. Building churches. Just design, build churches. You, you start up, you just, just build it. Don't ask them for anything. Just do it. And every time, this thought is always coming to me. Eh, but how will you make money? How will your family survive? How will you understand? If that's what he's calling you to do, the moment you start doing it, his kingdom, his influence comes on it. And all of a sudden, you dominate everything. He starts to provide. Remember what Ademi did? He followed everything. And then it was now up to me to ensure that it was a success. Our life, right? The moment we align ourselves completely, totally, the moment we do all those things, we put ourselves in the hands of God as truly his sons. As truly his sons. I don't have a son yet, but I can imagine that I would never stop caring about that son, right? I would imagine that, <laughs> it's funny today, this morning, I sent my dad some plans for a house in Nigeria, and as I was looking at it, something just happened in my heart. I said, my dad is really not looking at this plan for anything except for the fact that his son did it. He could have hired somebody in Nigeria. Did he need me to do it from here? No, but there was something about that. His son is really exercising, taking, he's really flourishing in the area that he wants to, and that delights him. And that's the same way with us, with God. As sons, right, he has made everything, he has made everything, he has made everything for us. He says, what is man that you are mindful of him? That's what he said in Psalm 8 verse 3. In Matthew 26, he spoke about Jesus. He says that he's seated at the right hand of the Father in the place of power and authority. All things were made for him and by him. Right? He made all things. It was made for him. It redeemed all things. It all belongs to him. He has all power. But you and I are unified with him. Sons, right? This is what Paul says about it in Ephesians 1, 15 to 23. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all saints, do not cease to give thanks to you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, in the eyes of your understanding, being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. 
a life of dominion, a life of power towards those who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. That's the testimony about Jesus. But it doesn't stop there because we are joint heirs with him. So that testimony is just as much a testimony about me and you, that we are seated in a place, we are seated at the right hand in heavenly places, far above principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named. That is where we are. That is who we are. Right? This world is just about ready. It's been ready. It's been ready. And it will take the children of God to truly step up, truly step up to live this life, to, to really live this life. The rules of engagement are very simple, right? Seek, 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 seek. Seek, because if you don't seek, you will take any information and do what you want with it, and you will eventually find yourself living outside like the younger son, and living in slavery. Then come boldly. When you seek, come boldly because you've already been accepted. You're not trying to work to be accepted. You're not trying to make yourself accepted. We have already been accepted by the precious blood of Jesus. We can come boldly and take dominion. Step out in faith. Step out in faith. Step out in faith. Let me read this scripture as we close. Luke chapter 10, verse 17 to 20. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name, dominion. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. In other words, you have the same thing I have. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. Verse 20, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Don't just rejoice because you have dominion in your place of work. Rejoice because you're a son. Rejoice because you've experienced the one thing that heaven has to offer in salvation. Rejoice because the best of heaven has been given. Jesus.